Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, give him a hand clap. Praise the worship team doing great. Yeah, somebody the other day said to me, said, you know, y'all, you're going to start getting some more young people in church. I said, I thought I was young. We've got a great bunch of young people. Praise God. Before we get going here this morning, I got a couple of things I want to share with y'all. So, first of all, this morning is a communion Sunday, and so we will be having communion here at the end of service. And so everybody is welcome to have communion with us. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're more than welcome to come to the front and have communion with us. Amen? Amen. So look at the person beside you and say, you're welcome. Okay. I was at a church one time, and I wasn't welcome, and I didn't like that. And so I want to make sure that everybody understands and everybody knows if you love Jesus, you're welcome to have communion with us. Amen? Amen. So the second thing I got going this morning is... um, I, I want to I compliment y'all about how amazing this church really is. You know, for years and years, when, when Living Waters Church first got established in 1986, you know, I'll be honest with you, we struggled from week to week. Every, every Sunday morning, I was on my knees praying for the offering to be uh, what the offering needed to be to get the bills paid for that week. And I, this church lived from week to week. And then if we, uh, thank you, if we started to... Uh, do anything, do any kind of missions project or whatever like that. You know, if it was a if it was a two thousand dollar roof we were putting on in Mexico or something like that. Well, then it was it would take us a month or so to to slowly get the money to have it. You know, but we just kept being a church that gives, kept being a church that gives all those years. And then the Lord began to speak to me, and He showed me some things. He showed me some some keys to to finances, which mainly that the church itself. I was being wrong by asking or showing people God's covenant of tithing and showing that and teaching that in the church, but then the church in itself wasn't tithing. And so we began to take and we made our, our we took 10% off of everything that uh, came into the church and immediately gave that away with no strings attached to it, gave it to the Lord. And then immediately the church's finances just started changing overnight. And so we started being blessed as a church, and we started doing bigger things and bigger things and bigger things, and God started messing, just blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing. And, you know, last year we, as a church, we were able to complete the project of the, the church being built in Guatemala, which took about, you know, three or four years for us to do, but it was a, you know, almost a $400,000 project, which we accomplished. And uh, then, you know, we, we've sent, bought vans for them this past year. You know, we, we spent a lot of money for a little church. I mean, that's the bottom line. And so um, then this year when Andrew and Bethany were here, we were visiting with them. And there's one thing that's in Guatemala that's always irritated me. Um, when we, uh, years ago, when we first built a part of the building, there was one section of the building that was a part of the school that nobody wanted to do anything to finish it. And they would have somebody, they'd have a church come in and say, okay, we want to do that. And then they would start giving for a while and then the giving would play out and we'd get a little bit gone. And this thing's just been going on and going. It's just been an eyesore to me, irritating me. So when they were here this year, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I was visiting and I said, what's happened? They said, well, it happened again, you know, that this, a church was doing this and you know, kind of quit. We're at this point where we, you know, got to get some money to go forth and get this done. And, and I said, that's it. I've had it. Just give me the project. How much is it? And so they told me how much it would take to get through with it. And I just looked in our accounts and I was like, 
I don't even have to take up an offering. I just, I just write you a check. How about that? So everybody was happy, excited, you know. We're, and, and so now that project's going in here in two weeks. There's going to be a, a team down there, and they're going to be doing it. But I was just so impressed. I was just so impressed with the Lord that all of a sudden I had the money. I had the money ahead of time. And so I was like, that is amazing. It's the first time it's ever happened in all these years. So I had just been feeling it in my heart. I'd just been, been stirred about since December. I've been praying about what, did, what were we going to do this next year and whatever going on. And, and so I was just like, man, Lord, what are we going to do? And then out of the blue, I had kind of said, well, back up a little bit. I had kind of said I wasn't going to work. I told the Lord this. You know how you tell the Lord things? So I told the Lord I wasn't going to work in any country unless they spoke Spanish. <laughs> Pretty well just limited to what I have to deal with because there's always people wanting me to do stuff. You know, I had a, a trip to Israel offered to me uh, free of charge, go to Israel and do this deal and get involved in this other ministry going this way. But, you know, it's not what I want to do. And so I always had things pulling at me, pulling at me. And I got to stay on track. And so I said, that's it, Lord. I don't want any project except what? Country speaks Spanish. How about that? So then in December, I was praying about the first of the year and everything, and I said, man, I started just getting these funny feelings. And so, you know, with What Matters Ministries, with Brother Ivan and all of them, you know, we also have an orphanage. It's not really an orphanage, but it's a feeding center in Kenya. And uh, so we give $600 a month to feed the children in Kenya. And it's a, what happens is, is the, the, there's too many ch- kids to be in orphanage. There's no way to do it. With, you know, I've already told you all that story. You, you, you know, basically, they open up a door, and there's 1,000 children in there and say, just cut out however many you want, and those are, you can take those to the orphanage. And we're like, I can't do that. I told Ivan, I can't be a part of that. I can't go in there and say, oh, I want you, and I want you, and leave the one in the middle. We either rescue all of them or we don't rescue any of them. Amen. And so we came up. The Lord showed us this idea about a feeding center that these, some of, most of these children have one parent. Usually they're single moms. And so we would do a feeding center where the kids could come in and we would feed them one meal in the middle of the day. Uh, it's after they go to school. They come home. They could, they could come there to the church and we could feed them. And then they could go home with their bellies hungry. Then the moms would only have to do minimal food for that evening and that the kids could be taken care of. We share the gospel with them. We, uh, uh, the parents, they, we started a deal with the, the, the mother or father, whoever's taking care of the kids. We're, they're doing a deal to teach them how to do businesses and start some things like that to help them sustain their income. And so it's more of a teaching them how to fish than it is, you know, just cleaning the fish. And so anyway, I want to show you these pictures. Just, just pop these pictures up. That is the church that is there right now that, that over the years uh, that was just dedicated last year. We were in the middle of all the big church going on in Guatemala, and so uh, we didn't have a whole lot to do with this, to be honest with you, other than the money we give every month. But that's the building that's there on this, right in the middle of the slums of a town called Nokuro there in Kenya. Okay, so the next picture. So... You can see the little green there. That's where the church building is. And then you see what the size of land it sits on? <laughs> so it's the church building is almost the same size as a piece of property. And this new piece of property came up 
the new land right beside there, you can see it's probably at least three times bigger than what we have right now. And so what they're trying to do is they're wanting to buy this land. Now, you got to understand something. When it comes to giving, I am, a, I am a generous giver. But when it comes to purchasing, I'm a tightwad. Okay? And I haggled and, and wrestled and, and just almost got ugly because this piece of property is $65,000. And to me, it's in the slums of the city. It shouldn't be worth anything. But apparently the slumlord thinks it is. And so we've dealt with them. We've done everything short of threatening to lower the price. But anyway, that man's agreed to sell this piece of property to us. There's a, a house, there's a, actually the long building over there on the side. It's, it's nothing really fancy, but there actually has a daycare there. And then there's some other uh, structures on there. But basically you can see with the purchase of this land, how much more space we would have. Okay. Okay. Now give me the next picture. And this is what it's doing. These kids are coming in every day. Uh, they're fed uh, beans and rice and whatever I guess they have there. Just go ahead and go to the next one. These are the ladies that are cooking all the food for them in there. Now, they're feeding a 1,000 children a day. These are just pictures of some of the you know, kids. But you can see the spaces. We're running out of space. Look at that. That's the kids you know, all in line. So now... They put up this temporary pavilion outside there to kind of give a spot for them. But that's the kids. You can see most of them are in uniforms because they went to private, not private school, public school. And then they're coming home from school. And then this is the meal they're going to get before they go home. So you see they're just, everybody's just piling up everywhere they can because there's so many of them. And then that, that's a pretty picture. So if you would go back to that uh, first one the, that shows the new land. So uh, this project in Kenya has been going on for 10 years. And there's a person there that runs it. Uh, her name is Faith and her husband, I can't pronounce his name. And uh, they actually have been working with What Matters Ministry. They were, they were friends with Ivan's daughter, Kendra, when, they were, when she was going to college in uh, Australia. And so there's a tight group there. They, they uh, are running the whole project with what's going on over there. But apparently nobody has taken this project on. Nobody is, no other church is wanting to buy this new land. They've been talking about it and telling everybody about it, and nothing's been going on about it. And so I think we ought to do it. I'm asking y'all as a church this morning, what do y'all think? So as always, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not going to pound you for dollars or anything like that. But what I'm asking you to do then is just be in agreement with me. Okay. I, I believe if God's put this on our heart, well, then God wants it, uh, is, wants to use us to, to accomplish this project. And if, um, you know, God wants you to be involved in it, he's going to prick on your heart. He's going to tell you. And I'm telling you, just like I've always said, I'm your stockbroker and I just believe that this is a good place to invest. And if it's a dollar, if it's $5, if it's $20, $100, if it's whatever, that's what, you know, your part is. And that's all, that's all God's ever asked us to do. Amen? Everything we've done is miracles. 
It's all miracles. Amen. But I just know that I have to be obedient to the Lord because I just really feel in my heart, you know. Like I said, they don't speak Spanish there and I wasn't looking for this. And it just owned my heart to do it. And I'm just like, ah, because I kept thinking we needed to do something more. And Kenny, I thought, well, maybe we need to do, maybe I need to up the giving or something of this nature, you know, on a monthly basis. And then all of a sudden this came up and I was like, oh, that's going to be it. And see, so anyway, so y'all, y'all are in agreement with me. Y'all will be in agreement and let's just believe and say, let's do it. Okay. All right. So then as God leads you, go on. Write on it in your offering. If you're giving an offering, whatever, I'm not taking up an offering right now, but if you're, if you're going to do it, then, then just write down there, Kenya land, and then we're going to get going and make it happen. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. What? Just the 65. That's what we got down to. They started at 100, and I got them down to 65, and I was like, ugh. Then I was wanting to send the hit, man. And I mean, I just don't see how land can be that much, but it's the same in Guatemala. What's craziness in Guatemala is, is that uh, the land is, is like crazy value. And, and I keep telling them, you all are wrong. You're not looking at this right. But what happens is in Guatemala, there's only so many people that own the land. And so they basically are, they're setting the price, they're a monopoly on it, whatever, they're in control. And the Guatemalans don't have any heart to, what is the proper biblical word? <laughs> negotiate, thank you. They don't have any heart to negotiate. They just are like, okay, and I'm like, what? Matter of fact, the project we just did, I said, that's not right, I won't, I won't accept that price, the one we're doing at the school. I said, something's got to get knocked off. So they called. So we called them, and they, they did lower it. I said, see, I'm teaching y'all. When it's for the kingdom of God, hammer them. No mercy. So we knocked 10 grand off that project. So anyway, praise the Lord. So anyway, get your Bibles out. And if you would, I want you all to go back to the original scripture we started at, at the 1st of January, if I can find my place here, Philippians chapter 3. How could I have lost my place? Philippians 3.13. I want to just share this, and I think I'm going to finish this. It only took me a month to preach one week's message. It says, Brethren, I do not count myself as apprehended, but one thing I do. I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forward to those things that are ahead. Next verse, 14. I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? So I started out here talking about that if you're going to see victory in 2020, you've got to forget the things of the past. Listen, you cannot keep dwelling on the past. It doesn't... You're never gonna. You're never gonna have victory by dwelling on the things of the past. By trying to justify yourself, you've got to forget the things of the past. You have got to forgive. You've got to pray for the healing of of, of the Lord to come into your life and go on. Amen. Can I have a big amen? amen? I mean, there's no other way. There's no other way around that. But the second thing is, I talked about is it says here that you reach forward to those things that are ahead. So for the last several weeks, I've been talking about what does it take? What does it mean to reach forward? What does it mean for, for God to say you're going to be looking to your future? And I began to challenge you about what is in your future. What are you saying? What's, what are you speaking? What are you confessing? What are you declaring over your life? Are you sowing the word of God in your heart? Amen? 
and talked about how that this is the principle of the word of God. This is the principle of the kingdom of God, that you take the word of God, you sow the word of God in your heart, then it produces a harvest. Amen. And if you're not doing that, then that's where you need to start. Hello? So I think y'all got it. Everybody say, I got it. it. And everybody say, I'm not lying. lying. (laughs) Of course, we are having communion today. So if you did just lie, you can come to the front and repent. So my point is, is that I've been over that and over that. So now I, I was just saying, okay, Lord, am I through with the message? And the Holy Ghost drops up my heart, which I thought was pretty cool. He says the last part of that, he says he presses towards the goal. So I'm going to teach you this morning. It's going to be kind of short. I say that. I shouldn't say that. I'll be lying. I haven't repented here in just a minute. I've never been short in my life. So, But it's just a, a simple, concise message about how are you going to press towards the goal? All right? I told you how to sow seed in your life. You've got to get the Word of God in your life. Listen, everybody is different. Everybody, any, every one of us are different. And so there's certain ways that you do things, certain ways. When I was a kid, uh, you know, I battled with dyslexia. And so my mother was always showing me flashcards. I did everything on a flashcard, 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 flashcard. And so flashcards work real real well with me. Sometimes I just write scriptures on flashcards and look at them. and I I can memorize them easy like that. Anyway, you got to figure out your own style, all right, to get the word sown in your heart because the heart is where it's got to be sown. But then how do you press? How do you do more? What, what, is, what, is, what is the fertilizer that you put in your garden to make it grow? Now, all of us have probably heard about miracle grow, right? So I want to show you the miracle grow of the Holy Ghost this morning. You know, I, I, I did some researching about why does miracle grow work? And the reason why it works is because they, they put in the soil... Nitrogen, ammonium, minerals, and they supercharge the potting soil with whatever the plant food needs. The plant needs for food. How about that? Right? So they supercharge the soil so that as soon as you plant in there, it looks like a miracle because it starts to growing. But the truth of the matter is it's not a miracle. It's just it's got all the nutrients in it that it needs rather than you went out and got your dirt outside and put it in there that didn't have anything in it because it's just been growing grass birds. Right. So they call it miracle grow, but it's really not miracle grow. It's just that it's just a supercharged food. Right. It's just what the plant needs. So then I, that the Holy Ghost began to start speaking to me. It's like, oh, wait a minute. What is the miracle grow of the Holy Ghost that you've planted your seeds in your heart, but that everything it needs to grow as fast as it could grow is supplied? Okay, so let me give you a scripture. Go to Colossians chapter 1. There's two main ingredients. We find the first one here in Colossians 1.23. It says, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded, and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. The first, the first ingredient in your soil of your heart that makes miracle grow start to take place and grow this seed is hope. Listen to me. 
Why would you do something if you didn't have any hope in it? Why are you in church this morning if you don't have hope that God is going to use today to bless you? Why would you serve God? Why would you pray? Why would you do anything if you had no hope? Right? I just do it because it's just a ritual. We don't do that. We're doing it because inside the ingredient is called hope. In other words, you go home and you take your scripture and said, Pastor said, I need to be sowing seed in my life. And so you find a scripture right here. God so loved the world. John 3, 16. Okay, God so loved the world. I'm in the world. You love me. God, I thank you that you love me. You're sowing that seed in your heart. That's how you're doing it right then. Your ear, you're speaking it out of your mouth. Your ears are hearing it. It's going into your heart. That seed's getting planted. Okay, so the next day you wake up, you get your Bible out again, say, God, you so love the world. Thank you that you love me. All of a sudden now, hope is starting to rise within you because you're, you've got the seed planted, but the miracle grow is your hope. You're getting excited. Lord, I think you love me. I'm not as big an idiot as I thought I was. <laughs> right? You said you love me, Lord. That's exciting. All of a sudden, hope's going in. It's a miracle grow. It's the nutrient that the word needs to grow. Hope. Amen. Everybody say hope. hope. Now, let me show you something else. Go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6. It says, Hebrews 6, 19. <clears throat> this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Well, the forerunner has entered in for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest forever under the order of Melchizedek. So what's he saying here? Your hope is supernaturally entering into the presence of God. And it becomes an anchor to your soul. Hope is not just a, 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 a fairy tale something. Hope is not just a, you know, just a good thought. Hope has substance to it. Hear what I'm saying? Faith is a substance of things hoped for. But you got to start with hope. Are you following me? Hope enters into the presence of God. When hope enters into the presence of God, it goes, it says behind the veil. What's it talking about? It's talking about in the Old Testament when, when the Holy of Holies was there and the veil of the temple was there and the Ark of the Covenant was behind it and the angels were there and the presence of God was there inside the Holy of Holies. It's saying your hope was in Jesus who has already gone back there behind the veil once and for all. But when you start to have hope, when you, when you get that scripture and you're speaking out of your mouth and you're confessing, your hope begins to rise. Well, that hope begins to supernaturally start touching the presence of God. And it starts to do something in you. It doesn't just do something in just your mind. You know, my wife, she's always giving me a hard time because... You know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a driver. I like to get things done. And when I don't get things done, I get discouraged. Then when I get discouraged, I get grumpy. Then when I get grumpy, it just goes downhill from there. And she's always telling me, you need to do things that release good endorphins in your brain. Good endorphins, Robert. So where do you want to go for? Good, good endorphins. And so, you know, I, I, I got to, I said, well, it's, it's eating chocolate, <laughs> ice cream. 
But y'all know that's the truth. They say the most soothing thing to a person is the ice cream on a spoon and you put it on your tongue that it causes your body to react. And I'm like, glory to God's first good article I've ever read about. <laughs> but you need to release good endorphins. She's always telling me this. Well, let me tell you something. Hope is what releases the presence of God in your life. Hear what I'm saying? If you don't have any hope, just, I mean, just, just put it together real simply. If you don't have any hope, then you're not even looking in that direction. There ain't no way you're going to find the presence of God. But hope causes you to, you know, hey, God does love me. It's going to change my life. I am loved. It's great. All of a sudden, hope is coming. It's like good endorphins being released in your body. All right? It's going behind the presence. It's going behind the veil into the presence of God. Okay? So you've got to get your hope going. But I am kind of preaching to the choir this morning because either you're, you're totally and completely insane and you just came to church this morning because you're insane or there, you do have hope. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been in church. You'd have been home preparing for the Super Bowl. Hello? Because I pray nobody came to church this morning that just because... Well, I guess I better not say that. <laughs> your wife could have held a gun to your head and brought you to church, you know. But what I'm saying is I hope you came to church. I hope you came to church this morning because you're hungry and you wanted to learn. Amen? Amen. That's what it's all about. Okay, so I want you to go now to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, and I'm going to show you the second thing, the second part. Hope's the first thing. That's going to be the miracle grow in your life. It's going to cause that word to start growing fast. And now here's the second one. Find it in John chapter 4, verse 5. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, thus sat by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Then a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living waters. Now, folks, listen to me. If you had a friend and you went over to their house and they were growing plants and their plants were just super duper and you ask them, what are you doing to make your plants look so good? Because my plants don't look this good. And they said, well, I'm using, I'm just going to throw out miracle Grow. I'm use, I use miracle Grow." And you said, really? Where do you get that? You, uh, your hope would have begun to be that your plants could look as good as theirs, right? That's the simplicity of what hope is. All right. But then when you if you knew the gift, how good it really was, you see what I'm saying? You would be at you'd be using it for everything. Hello? You wouldn't just use it to grow your little daisies or whatever, right? You'd be using it in the garden. You'd be bringing it in. You know, if you really knew the gift of God, you're going to have a garden. Bring in a truckload. Bring it all back here, boys. Right? You're, you knew the gift of God. You get excited. It's a gift of God in your life. So the second thing is hope is the first thing in your life. The second miracle grow. Now, just listen to me. Don't just say, 
Oh, he really built that up, and then that was just another letdown. The second miracle substance that can grow the seed of the Word of God in your heart and make that stuff sprout and flourish and go like you have never seen to where you say, this is a gift of God, is worship. Now, immediately when I say that, you, you, so many people have you thought of singing. But I want to show you something here. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, who it was said to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, he would have given you living waters. Amen? The woman said, sir, you have nothing to, uh, nothing to draw, the, the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? So immediately she was looking at the nat. She was looking in the natural. She was, well, you ain't got not even a bucket to go get some water for me when you're talking about giving me living water. She's looking at it naturally. So many people, when you start looking at worship, begin to look at things naturally and say, oh, well, it's the singing voice. Oh, well, it's the, you know, I, I don't know how to play an instrument or, oh, I just like country music or, you know, I don't know about this. I really like this. No, you see, you immediately relate worship to singing. Okay? Naturally. And worship can be singing. But I want to show you another something here about worship. Look what he does. He goes on and says, Jesus answered, whoever drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give shall never thirst. You know, it's interesting. When Living Waters Church was formed, I just came out of denominational churches. My wife did too. And so we knew hymns. You know, we knew How Great Thou Art, Amazing Grace, those kind of hymns. So then we knew the other songs, like I sing on Cowboy uh, Sunday, you know, the, 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 the Hank Williams versions of gospel songs and things like that. You know, I saw the light and those kind of songs like that. But then we were introduced into, which were in those days, which was the early 80s, was the vineyard style music. You know, it was just coming out at that time. And, and then we, we, you know, what a mighty God we are. Oh, no, you are here. No, whatever. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> blew that one. Right? I was singing the two songs at the same time, mixed them. Right? As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs. So we started going to the, this. It was a new change of songs to us. They were brand new then. And that was the new music of that era. And it came in and introduced it into, to, to the church world. And we all started singing those songs. Right? I remember these days if you, were, if you were going back then. And then the music started changing. And then, you know, over the years it started changing. And then things, you know, went on. And then now we have the music that we have today. And and my point is, is that in those days, we, those songs were really popping. And if we tried to do them this now, everybody would be saying, this is lame. <laughs> Are you following me? So what Jesus said, look, if you drink this water, you're going to get thirsty again. If the only worship you have in your life is based upon music, you're just going to get thirsty again because it's never really going to satisfy you you got to go deeper than the ability just to sing songs because it's going to change. What is today's hit and greatest worship song in 10 years will be getting ready to put as on, on the, you know, the, in the closet. Are you following me? You're going to get thirsty again. It never stops. But there's a, there is a worship that comes from your soul. That is completely different, that is so satisfying, that is so supernatural, that that worship never, 
ever, ever gets old. All right? And that worship comes from basically three places. Okay? The first one is, have you ever just sat around and thought of how many ways you could thank God in prayer for what he's done for you? See, most of the time when we think of prayer, we think of prayer as being, we're making our grocery list to the Lord of things we need. But if you ever just had prayer like, Lord, I just, I just thank you today because, you know, you're, you're amazing. You saved me. You saved my family. Lord, things you've done for me. There are things that never, ever cease to amaze me of what God's love is and what he does. I want to tell you a story. Uh, you know, some of you, some of you know my history, but, you know, in 1985, I, we, were, we, were, we were a, a ranching family, farming and ranching family. And in 1985, I went broke. Uh, through the, the times that was going on, the bank called our note. We couldn't pay our note. They foreclosed on us, and I, went, I, I lost everything overnight. And so after that, after that happened, I went to work as a carpenter, $5 an hour. I, I'll never forget how hard it was to try to live on a budget and trying to do these things and not making any money. And so one Christmas came around. And we didn't have any money. And I just was just tore up that I did not have any money to buy Christmas presents for my kids. And so this is, this is all, yeah, we were saved then, but I didn't have any money. I didn't know anything about faith. I didn't know anything about believing God. I was saved. I knew I was going to die and go to heaven, but I was broke poor. I'm talking poor as a snake, no money. So we couldn't buy any, and I just couldn't stand it. So I when I was ranching and, and as a young man growing up, I had money. And so I loved guns. And so I bought guns and I bought expensive guns. And so I still had some. And so I decided the only thing I could do was go sell a gun. And so why I chose this one, I, well, I know why I chose it. I chose a Winchester 101 pigeon grade 20 gauge shotgun that I had. Sweetest gun I ever owned. But I knew it would sell because it was a high-dollar gun. It was really pretty, and I knew somebody would want it. So I took it to a gun show, and I was walking down the aisle, and the whole time I'm just feeling greedy that I'm selling this gun, but I know that I'm going to get some money for Christmas. And everybody, like vultures, are surrounding me. Everybody's trying to buy it. Everybody's shooting prices at me. I'm saying, no, I want more. And I'm just walking through the gun show, and everybody's just handing me. So finally, at the end of the day, I sold it. Came home with some cash. We had a great Christmas. Everybody was blessed. I felt good that I had provided for the family, but I lost my shotgun. Okay? Now, you got to understand, I bought this shotgun when I was 16. At 16, I was making a lot of money. And so I bought this shotgun brand new, and uh, it was, you know, it was a, it was, I loved it. It's the greatest shotgun I ever had. So over the years, I've talked about it, and people knew about it, and so I sold that shotgun in 1990, 30 years ago, 30 years ago. Everybody see 30 years ago. 30 years ago is a long time. Sold that shotgun 30 years ago. Now, over this period of time, I could have bought that shotgun, you know, made a little money here or there, whatever. I could have saved up and I could have bought it, but it just didn't ever seem right. I just didn't ever do it. And so I, one of the scriptures that I quote all the time is that whatever the enemy is stolen from me, he's got to return back to me, right? I ain't going to be stolen from. 
And Friday, a person came up to me and said, look, I don't know what this is all about, but I just know that God told me to do this, and I want to give you this. And I opened up a box, and inside of it was a Winchester 101 pigeon grade, exactly like the one I sold 30 years ago. And I looked at that gun, and I was just like, I didn't know what to say. I was speechless. I mean, I was absolutely 100% speechless, not, not necessarily because of the, the dollar value of it, but because how did Jesus work this out that I got the same gun that I sold 30 years ago, the same one that meant something to me? The impact on my life was that, holy cow, look how much Jesus loves me that he actually had this on somebody's heart. He got this and worked around and brought it back to me. He loved me enough that he wanted me to have what the devil stole. Because the devil stole it because I was ignorant and I was broke and I was poor and, I, you know, and God brought that back. At that moment, it was like, like I, began to, I began to understand the things that we, the thankfulness we need to be in prayer of what God is doing that we don't even know about. I didn't, I have never, listen to me, folks, I have not sat around and asked the Lord to give me that gun back. That is not a part of my prayer. I'm praying for Kenya. I'm praying for Guatemala. I'm praying for you. I'm not sitting around saying, God, I really want that gun back. But how God was working a miracle when I didn't even know he was working a miracle. He's been working this miracle for a long time, apparently. I didn't even know it. And then all of a sudden, boom. How many things is God working for you today? that you don't even know. So one of the places of worship that is one of the most precious places in worship is being thankful in prayer to him. Lord, I thank you that you're bringing about things that I I, I can't even understand how it's going to work. I I thank you, Lord, you're making ways where there seems to be no way. Lord, you're the God who's making all the crooked paths straight. God, you're the God that's... Man, you start to pray like that. That is worship. You may not have the orchestra. You may not be singing. That is worship. And if you want to miracle grow the seeds in your heart, then you know what? You need to be putting it on there. If you went and bought a a, a bag of miracle grow and you didn't use it, is it their fault that you didn't grow any more plants? Is it your fault that you didn't sit around and use worship to get your, 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 your seeds growing? It took longer? Yes. If you didn't do anything with it, it's not God's fault. The third one, okay, we got songs and singing. I'm talking about just worship. Songs and singing, we got thankful prayer. Now, the third one is really simple. It's called consistent fellowship. In Joshua 1.8, Moses told Joshua, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth, but keep it. All right? Meditate on it. That word meditate means to murmur. It means to muddle. It means to take it and just chew it around. It means exactly the same as a cow chewing on its gut. You're rolling it around in your mouth. Consistent fellowship is what I call it, is a great form of worship because what it means is you're going through the grocery store, you're pushing the basket down there, and you're saying, Lord, which, which, is, which is the best deal? Which is the best thing for me today? Should I buy this rice or that rice? He said, what are you asking God about buying groceries? Because it's constant fellowship. If I was walking down the aisle with my wife, I'd be asking that. If I had my friend with me, which one, which rice do you use? I'd ask him. Anything you're doing, if you'll learn to have constant fellowship with the Lord in everything you're doing, not 
you pray in the morning and then you go the rest about your day. No, no, no. Every moment of every second of every day. Everything from asking the Lord where you put your keys. <laughs> right? You need to lose something, can't find something. At this time of year, Lord, do I need a coat today? <laughs> everything, constant fellowship, constant prayer, constant everything. Just get him involved in everything you're doing. And the last one, and you're going to think this is funny, but just listen to me, because I'm telling you this is a true form of worship. The last one I'm going to give you this morning that make your miracle grow work in your life, is obedience. Obedience is one of the greatest forms of worship. The thing we need to learn with the Lord is that if we would just be obedient, okay, then the rest he takes care of. Let me give you a story. You can go back and read it today. 1 Samuel 15, the story of, of, of Saul. It's 1 Samuel 15, 1. It's when the Lord gave Saul instructions, told him to go and attack the, the Amalekites for what they had done. He told him to take care and kill everything that was there and don't bring anything back. And then as the verses go down, I don't know my verses here because I just wrote it all down. Somewhere around 13, Saul goes and he does whatever Saul wants to do. Saul goes into there and he keeps what he wants to keep and does what he wants to do. Isn't it amazing that we're, we always say, oh, I can't believe he did that. But yet we do it all the time that we tend to tell the Lord what's the right way to do things. Hello? We tend to be the executive secretary for the Holy Ghost and begin to tell him the way it should be done. Well, Lord, if I, you know, if I was you, I'd be doing this. Well, that's what Saul did. He went in there. He got to looking at all the sheep, got to looking at all the cows. He said, what do I want to kill all these sheep and cows for? I don't want to kill all these sheep and cows. I'll take them back. Let's take them back and let's offer them as a sacrifice to the Lord. That sounds better. So the story goes, I, I, I don't want to read it right now. I'll take time for it. The story goes on. He goes on down there. And so then Saul comes in. And he says, look what I've done. I did it just like you said. And Samuel says, well, then what is the sound of the bleating of these sheep I'm hearing? When you weren't supposed to bring anything back and you got a bunch of ba-ba going on here. Oh, these sheep, we're going we're gonna to sacrifice them to the Lord because that just seems like a good thing to do. But that wasn't what God told him to do. See, you can have all the good ideas that you want, but if God told you to do something... And you didn't do it. You just got the sound of the bleat and the sheep in your ear. He goes on, Saul goes on, and, he, and, and then he says, listen, in verse 22, I do have that. Samuel said, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, is better than Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. He said, look, man, obedience is always better than sacrifice. You want to be a great worshiper? It's not about your singing voice. It's about will you be obedient to what the Lord asks you to do. I remember one day, the Lord spoke to me, and he told me to give somebody some money. And uh, me personally, just somebody. And so I was like, well, Lord, I, don't, I mean, I guess I will if you tell me to. I mean, you know. But I, I murmured about it. 
And so the Lord told me, I'll get you the money at the end of the day if you'll just be obedient to do this. And so I was like, well, all right. I kind of felt like inconvenienced by it, to be honest with you. There was no great faith in it because I didn't want to give the person any money. And so I did it. Gave the person $100, so he told me. So I found this person, gave him $100. Then I thought, yeah, you know, whatever. If I see that again. And then the end of the day, another person walked up to me and said, I don't understand, but God told me to give you this. And he gave me $100. So I gave $100 and I got $100. Well, that's no increase, right? I'm at the same place as I was before. So I said to the Lord, well, gosh, I didn't even get any interest on this. And the Lord said, that's because you were resistant in obedience. And I was like, yeah, I kind of did drag my feet on this one. <laughs> kind of did drag my feet on this one. So my point is, if I'd have just been obedient, that might have been a thousand came back. You know what I'm saying? I could have increased it. But I wasn't because I was doing it my way. I was thinking my own thoughts. I was thinking, well, that guy didn't need $100. You know, you can go get another. You know what? And I was... I was trying to not, I was trying to do it rather than just being obedient, saying, Lord, thank you for using me as your servant. And folks, that's where we get in trouble. Because obedience is always better than sacrifice. You can say, oh, I'm going to go give this and go do that. But if that isn't what you're supposed to do, you're going to get in trouble. Hello? And obedience is a form of worship. So the miracle grow that makes the seeds in your heart work is hope and worship, all right? Hope and worship. But get off of worship is thinking that the only form of worship is your ability to sing. No. Thankful prayer, constant fellowship, and obedience are some of the three main ingredients of worship. So ask yourself right now, are you a worshiper of God? And if you, if, if you get a little, you know, well, that's why we're having communion today. Come and get it right. And so I want to challenge you this morning to dedicate your hearts. As we take communion here this morning, make this a place of hope. Make this a place of obedience. And let the Holy Spirit come into you and work in you. And then, folks, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to see the seeds that you're sowing in your heart Miracle grow. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, sweetie, come on up here and help me. And I just want to encourage you again. Everyone's welcome to come and have communion with us. And can I go ahead and have my prayer team, pastoral team come down to help me? I believe in miracles, and I believe this is one of the greatest times and the greatest part of, of the service where, where miracles can, can take place. And we've got people standing up here, some to help you serve communion and others to be prayer partners with you. And if there's anything you want to pray about today, anything you need, you need agreement on, well, they're here for you to play, to pray. <laughs> I saw Timothy walk up here and I said, play. <laughs> so the praise team coming up <sighs> to pray with you. They're here. Amen. So. So just get your hearts prepared. For whatever you need.
Praise God. So the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, now take and eat for this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Lord, today we take this bread and I thank you that everything that's been broken, everything that's been destroyed, everything that we've done, maybe Lord, we've been in disobedience. And today, Lord, I thank you that through this communion and through this bread, there can be restoration. And Lord, we praise you for it and thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Then afterwards, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is a new covenant. Poured out in my blood for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink it in remembrance of me. So there's none of us should leave this room today with guilt or shame because this blood that Jesus poured out for you by faith in the blood forgives you of all your sins and cleanses you and makes you right with God. So Lord, we thank you for what this cup means in Jesus' name. 